Hello, everybody, and welcome to the After Later podcast. I'm your host, John Wessling. I hope you're having a, a good Friday or whenever it is you're listening to this. This is Friday, April the 24th. <laughs> That's when it currently is for me in my world. Don't know what it is for you. More than likely, it's also <clears throat> April 24th. Um, uh, wow. There's so much shit going on in the world today. I don't even know where to begin or even if I should begin. So I'm going to choose not to begin. Just to throw up my hands and say, fuck it. <laughs> I mean, I don't even, I don't know. I don't even, uh, seriously, just whatever. <clears throat> today is a great day to avoid watching idiot people on the news. Um, you know, on both a global, national, and unfortunately a local level as well. But, uh, you know, do what you can. Stay local in your own house with your own people and uh, take care of your own chickens is kind of kind of the swing thought for today. Uh, beautiful day for me where I'm at. I got yard work to do a little later. Going to get out of the house, get some sun, tend to my flowers and my plants and things like that. Um, this is going to be a, a self-care day for me. Uh, try not to inject myself with any fucking household cleaners. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Told myself I wasn't going to talk about it, but uh, oh Jesus Christ, it's the world in which we live in. You know, there's a crazy conspiracy theory that on April 29th, that there's actually a massive um, asteroid coming and it's going to wipe out the world. And this whole thing is basically just a cover story so that we're all home to spending time with our families before the unavoidable asteroid destroys the planet. That's patently fucking ridiculous that that's the case um but uh, the more and more i watch the news the more and more i see things i'm like i'm on fucking team asteroid (laughs) you know what i'm saying uh but anyway my uh podcast buddy uh joins me again my podcast buddy is our cat dan uh for some reason whenever i sit over here and start podcasting he just loves to come over and get petted and, and and lay here but this little idiot our cat uh dan he's just a little bit over a year old and he's He's big as shit. He's a big, strong cat. But uh, anyway, uh, of all the cats and pets we've ever had in our life, this one is the one who is most likely, I would say, to die accidentally doing something stupid. Well, last night, as we were all getting ready to close up the downstairs and go upstairs for nighttime, I'm, I'm, you know, doing the last little bit of chores, taking out trash, taking, you know, to clean out his litter box, by the way, his fucking litter box. And he, uh, unbeknownst to me, while I was going in and out of the garage door, he made a bolt for it. So he got outside. I had no idea. Um, this is probably around eight o'clock at night, a little bit after midnight, our oldest who comes downstairs for midnight snack, teenage party time notices that he's outside the window (laughs) meowing and freaking out. So he got to spend a little danger time outside. Luckily, uh, the hawks don't hunt at night or his ass would have been Food to the birds of prey. But he seems to be no worse for wear. He's back in the house. Semi-normal. He's always dirty. He's a total idiot. You know, no dead squirrels out in my yard. But uh, that's the that's the drama in the Wesling house. Uh, so ignore uh, any uh, stupidity in the world and just focus on the stupidity in your own house. You know what I'm saying? Don't worry about uh, President United States telling you to inject fucking Lysol into your bloodstream or maybe just swirl some around inside your lungs or really to clean that shit out. Now, focus on the dumbass behavior that happens in your own house. It's better for everybody. You know what I mean? (sighs) Seriously. What the fuck? (laughs) So, uh, let's get down to the interview for today. Uh, This is a guy coming on who I've known for several years. I'd say probably close to eight or nine years. 
at this point. He's a comedian just like me. He got a family just like me. I think he's got two teenagers. I've got four rando kiddos. But uh, Daryl Felsberg is his name. He's a comedian. He uh, runs a comedy club, runs a comedy festival up in Paris, Texas, which is just south of the Oklahoma border. Uh, I guess that would be east, northeast of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, really nice guy. Uh, interesting fella. Um, we have a conversation this morning while I was making breakfast for my kids. I like to uh, just sort of podcast with the earbuds in and while I'm doing other stuff. So this morning I was making breakfast. Now, the breakfast I'm making, you're going to hear me making it and hear us talking about it, is called shakshuka. Shakshuka. I'm, I'm, I know I'm saying it incorrectly. But shakshuka is, according to a uh, little Google search, an Israeli and Middle Eastern meal of poached eggs and a simmering tomato sauce with spices. It's very popular across the Middle East and North Africa. Shakshuka comes in many shapes and sizes. The dish is likely of Tunisian or Yemeni, Yemeni origin. And the name is thought to originate from either Arabic or the Berber language for mixture. Now, I say that before we get into the conversation, because uh, in a couple of minutes, you'll hear me mistakenly think that maybe it was from India. So I want to correct it before <laughs> before you hear me sound like a racist idiot. Uh, but we, we discussed that as well. So I think you'll enjoy this laid back conversation with the one and only Daryl Felsberg. morning hey what's up daryl mm-hmm. i'm good how are you i am great i'm making uh, breakfast here with the kids i hope you don't mind i'm going to record this uh episode of after later while preparing a little bit of a shashuka brunch for my family no not at all um are we live now yeah we're already recording oh. it's kind of the laid back style of after later my friend what what the hell is this what do you call it a shashuka breakfast a shashuka. A shashuka. Elaborate. Please. Well, normally, well, it's kind of like this. Uh, I'm making it out of leftover chili. But essentially, you make this uh, tomato y, spicy kind of um, mix, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, like a sauce, right? So you have it simmer, and it's all flavorful and whatnot. And then you put about six eggs just sort of set in and let them kind of cook inside the. Inside the sauce. Hold on a second. What what does it be? Um, I'm I'm only using a little bit of milk, so you can have some for you. Well, I don't need I don't need milk for sashuka, so enjoy your cereal. That's my daughter BB, by the way. Certainly, yeah. Okay, um, this is fascinating to me. So the eggs cook within the sauce. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Like you sort of nest little six little spots where they just sort of you dump the whole egg in, and then you put the cover on for about two or three minutes and let it kind of. So the trick is to try to. Get it to where the it gets just about a little over medium, so you still have the mildly runny uh, yolk when you spoon it out. Where it's surrounded by the yeah, it's pretty cool. Right, right. Yeah, that, that's now they actually have a proper menu or recipe for the shashuka base, but it also works good with any kind of chili style, yeah. le- uh, you know, leftover. Now you're you, if memory serves me right, you too are a South Texas boy. Oh, yeah, born and raised in McAllen, Texas. You can't okay. get much farther south than that. No, the no. hospital I was born at was actually on the on the river. So Right. So, I mean, you're, uh, in fact, you're, a, uh, you're, you're what we call a valley boy. That's right. I'm a Vallejo. That's right. I'm and, a valley uh, boy way. <clears throat> and I'm from, from Corpus, 
and so I'm, I'm a you know Coastal Bend kid. But living in South Texas, carne guisada was a staple for breakfast, oh, yeah. dinner, lunch, whatever. And so the question is, can you do the same thing with the eggs and carne guisada? Absolutely. If you got like a well, especially if you have like a real runny guisada, mm-hmm. you know, guisada just basically means beef stew, right? right yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you get carne guisada, like especially carne guisada tacos, and it's already kind of you know you sift out, right? You know, you, can, you, you, you it's more of a dry guisada, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you. So yeah, you want more of the wet base. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this. I think it's uh, in, uh, the shashuka is originally, I think, an Indian dish. If I'm not mistaken, I'm probably totally fucking wrong on that. No, no, no. It translates to diarrhea. That's what that means. Oh yeah, in, in that India. totally. That uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Oh, I could imagine. And you've got all those kids. Uh, it's like chili through a goose. I mean, you got you're in for some bad things here, Fred. You really have to manage the family uh, diarrhea <laughs> because we got six people in the house and we have three toilets. Yeah. No, I, I, I read you. Uh, about, uh, about a month ago, uh, no, about, about a month and a half ago, it was the last show that we had done at our local venue. And uh, my boy was working with me and uh, he was he kept saying he didn't feel well. And I thought yeah. he just didn't want to work, you know, and uh, <laughs> just trying to get out hard of ass man. Yeah. And this went on for about a half an hour as I keep yelling at him because I'm not a good father. And he goes, <laughs> he goes into the bathroom and I hear him quote unquote vomit. So my assumption is he's literally like faking it, you know, and I go, don't. Like he's really committed to yeah. it. This kid. I was like, don't fake it, dude. I don't have time for this shit. And, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't. And I went and looked and, uh. And he's in there just orally kicking out whatever he ate. And uh, I felt so bad. So now I'm like the good father. I'm like just rubbing his head. You know, it's going to be okay, buddy. You know, it's and, okay, buddy. Don't tell mom. Don't yeah, tell mom. Don't, that I... don't, or the CPS officer or whoever. It's so, yeah. uh, th- you know, his mom comes and gets him, takes him home. And uh, she's texting me throughout the night. She's like, yeah, he's vomiting here. He's vomiting there. He's not well. So I get home about two thirty. So now you're thinking she's in on it too. No, 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 no. I'm firmly believed. Oh no, she wouldn't do that. She she's no, clearly telling him. She's texting me just to alert me that she's been cleaning up vomit to this point. That's what she's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, letting me know. Yeah. So I get uh, I get home about two o'clock and she's like, Yeah, I'm going to bed, you know, and everything's fine. About four thirty, she wakes me up and says, You need to get up. Zoe, which is my daughter, she's she's vomiting. And I'm in the back of my head. I'm getting ready to tell her, bullshit. I've been up all night working. You can go tend to them. And before that, that <laughs> thought leaves my head as words, she then says, because I'm throwing up now too. And she goes off to the bathroom. They've, they've all got it. They all have it but me. So this is critical mass. This is, this yeah. Point. You're like, oh, shit. No, I, I mean, I let the dog out of the crate so he can clean up whatever I don't clean up, you know? I mean, it's it's a serious situation. So I'm, I'm tending to everybody, and then that Sunday, they all sleep throughout the day. I'm, I'm the good dad, the good husband, and everybody's chill, and I don't get it because I've got a stomach like concrete. And, uh, yeah, I'm that way too. and then the next day, day or two later, I get it. But I don't vomit. I send everything down south. And so, oh, oh yeah, dude. I'm that way. 
I'm that way too. If I I feel barfy, like, oh, wait, yeah. on, let me put a, an asterisk there. When I, when I feel alcohol barfy, oh, I no. am I let it go. I'm like release the doves. Let me go barf in the yard. <laughs> I'd rather. But if it's like if it's if it's food pukey, yeah, I hold I hold on to it just like you, and I, I push it out the back, and whoo, all hell breaks loose. Yeah, I don't know how I do it. I just it's amazing. Um, how I do that, but yeah, it's, uh, it's that South Texas, buddy. We we were trained on that Carnegie Sada that's been left out in the car too long. That Carnegie Sada, that water, the poor education. Oh yeah, yeah we got it oh, all. Yeah. Exactly. Pawn shops totally. and billboards in Spanish. That's, <laughs> that's what kept us alive. And uh, so all those striped tacos. Boo, boy. You know they didn't have those when I was growing up there. But when I returned nah. to the valley, that's the Laredo Taco Company. Absolutely. This. Yeah, and that and that's you know what in a pinch. I'll make a stop, uh, uh-huh. you know. But it's not bad. No, it's not bad. It's not good, you know. I look. So anyway, it. let's get let's get oh, back. Sorry, I wanna, yeah. I, don't don't lose track of the story here. I'm I'm all caught up in the diarrhea and the barfing with everybody here. So. Oh right right right. So then I get it. Um, but I it doesn't it doesn't trigger till I'm in route on a four hour drive to uh, Northwest Arkansas, and Naturally. about. 30, the natural state, Maria, that's what Arkansas is. That's their mm-hmm. motto. Yeah. I'm 30 minutes in and it triggers. And I, and it's, you know, when you get that feeling like you're going to vomit, you can feel it in the back of your mouth and you're, yeah. you're taking in oxygen and you're trying to calm yourself down so your stomach doesn't heave. It doesn't do it. I get to that point where it feels like it's going to, but my body won't vomit. It just says, you know what? We're head out. Everybody out, go south. And uh, <laughs> so I'm like a fire drill. Yeah. It's like, okay, wait, this exit is blocked. Everyone no, go to the back. So I'm ter- and I'm even terrified to even pull over and shit because uh, th- I may not make it from vehicle to convenience store. And I want to, and I'm real particular about where I dispose. So, okay. yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't like to drop anywhere. You know, I, it's gotta be clean, mm-hmm. neat. I need some time, a little space, comfort. Yeah. I prefer nobody to be around, you know, if I'm going to do my... You're actually looking at the map going, I could turn around and get back to the last Bucky's in about <laughs> 45 minutes. Oh. <laughs> uh, and they have those uh, those airplane locks on those doors to let everybody know that you're doing business, friend. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You don't feel oh, the yeah. fool. You don't have to worry about someone coming and giving <laughs> the, the jerk on the knob. <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing will send you into to an, an anal spasmatic uh, uh just lose your composure when somebody goes to jerk on that door three or four times because they're not smart enough to figure out that it's fucking locked yeah it'll, it'll actually scare the turd square out of you dude i'll tell you it's funny like in in normal public interactions i'm a very polite fellow yeah. you know what i mean even if even if someone violates my personal space accidentally i'm still Oh hey, pardon me, friend. Hey, well, it's okay. Well, you know, I'm a, yeah. I'm a friendly guy. We're right? all good. But as soon as I'm sitting in a public shitter <laughs> and someone <laughs> hits that door, I'm just like, I'm in here, fucker. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I am not in any way. You don't want none of this. <laughs> <laughs> You're next, bitch. You know? Yeah. I go right to right to aggressively fuck off. <laughs> I just don't want anybody around. First of all, you, you're ashamed of what you're doing. You, you have to, you know. Yeah, it's a nature. It's a nature shame. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it just let me do this. You wait. Uh, you have the same problem. Fine. Find another one. Go mm-hmm. to the next gas yeah. station. Whatever you got to do. But Bucky's is the yeah. only one. I really think that 
Um, outside of the Dillards, Dillards has pretty. <laughs> <laughs> they have pretty nice. Uh, uh, I like to call them handicap suites. Uh, yeah, they are very nice. They, they typically they nice. typically have a waist high sink in there for you in the handicap yeah. stall at a Dillard's. Just take a look next time. When I see companies that really have the extraordinary, extravagant uh, uh, handicap, I don't know. Are we allowed to say handicap anymore? Whatever it is, whatever that facility is, it makes me think this is a company that got sued really bad about ten years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For make you know for not having this, and now they've gone over the top. And I'm like, okay, I get it. This makes sense. Yeah, this is nice. Yeah, let's put a sink in there and a oh, yeah. baby changing table. Uh, and first mm-hmm. of all, you're an asshole if you send your kid in with your husband who's in a wheelchair to change him. Uh, um, <laughs> why can't you? Why, you've got two capable legs and hands. Why don't you use them? You know. You know. You say that, but I can totally see. The handicapped dad who's like a real prick about I can do it. I can do everything a regular. Okay, I mean I'm just saying I can go in. Honey, you don't need to. Tell me I can't change the diaper of my boy. I'm going in there, you know, with the baby crying and shit in his lap. Sir, do you need any help? I don't need your fucking help. I got this. Well, but Stephen Hawking, I didn't know you could do that with a straw. Please walk off. <laughs> I am tending to my boy. Oh, jeez. Bless his heart. All of it. Whatever. Bless it. Yeah, man. I'm sure it's in a lab somewhere. Oh, probably. Cried. So wait, did we get to the end of the story? I mean, That's pretty much it. You know, I had to. Uh, I had meetings and whatnot and, you know, uh, some performance-related stuff we were working on, and I had to meet with somebody. And it wasn't well. I was sweating. Didn't yeah. feel good. I said, you know what? Oh, Let yeah. me go to the hotel for – and they, they were thinking coronavirus, you know. And I'm like, oh I'm no, like, no! Just let me let me go to the hotel and get a good night's sleep, and and uh, we'll see you guys. And uh, that's what I did. I went and I shit for three hours, and then I slept for about eleven, and it was so good. And then uh, yeah. yeah, next day I was ready. Let's do this. What do we want to do? And uh, that's it. Yeah, we're good. Isn't that funny? We're so we're all so uh, afraid of the plague. And you're like, oh no, no, it's not the plague. I, I just. It's diarrhea. No, I'm yeah. I just have diarrhea. I, it, it, everything's fine. It's just I'm shitting myself. Yeah. There's, that's not, that's it, not, it's a, there's, that's not, farting blood is not one of the symptoms of coronavirus. No, you know? no. I mean, it's not good, but it's not, it's not going to kill you. Right. It's just going to fuck me up for a while. Yeah. I, which I think we're all okay with. Right. We're perfectly fine with that. Yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to catch this. Mm-mm. Well, you might if you eat some nasty shit that I eat. <laughs> or you uh, get I a whiff of it. Yeah. You might catch yeah. something, but, uh, it turns out you can't leave donuts on the counter for two days and still eat them. They're fine. No. The glaze fight. It's an antibacterial glaze on the donuts. I'm sure that's fine. <laughs> that or it's that uh, shashimi. I'm about to say shashimi, but shashara? The shashuka. shashuka. Forgive me. No, I'm going to write it down. Shashuka. I'm, I'm gonna... I have no idea how to spell <laughs> it. I got a good guess. With you. And I have what they call the internet in front of me as well. I yeah. asked my good friend, yeah. Paul Verghese. He, uh, Oh, he'll, he'll be, and, and you know what? Paul will be like, why are you asking me? Is it because I'm Indian? God damn, it's, it's so racist. And he's like, yeah. I and then he'll write 30 minutes of material on it and <laughs> exactly. make more money than we need to know about. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> okay, it's S-H-A-K-S-H-O-U-K-A. Shashuka. Yeah. Shashuka. I love every bit of it. Okay, yeah, there it is. Yeah. A dish of eggs, poached in sausage, tomatoes, olive oil, peppers, onion, and garlic, mm-hmm. and Commonly mm-hmm. spiced with cumin, paprika, cayenne yeah. pepper, nutmeg. This is terrific. Yeah, I, so like, I'm kind of 
I'm using some leftover chili I had made a couple days ago <laughs> and added a can, <laughs> and a can, yeah, no. can of tuna and some gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, these, these kids will be just fine. Uh, I heard that's what <laughs> some eggs I found in the yard. I heard that's what Felsberg did to his family. <laughs> <laughs> they got the shishikas. They got the shishits. Shishits from it. Yeah. I shishitted my pants. Yeah. That's <laughs> Paul about that. Write that one down. You know what's funny? Okay, since you're a you're a South Texas boy as well. Yeah. I always thought about this because I think that we have a culinary bravery that yes. a lot of Midwestern white people do not have. No, of course not. You know what I mean? They like it bland. They like they like their boiled hot dogs, Ooh. and that's that's about you know. But I'm like, I'm fuck. I'm used to eating barbacoa. I'm, I'll <gasps> eat some cheap meat. I you got some sweetbreads? Fuck yeah, I'll eat that. Oh, I know that's and people don't. I'm not afraid of really anything. And in fact, you say that right now. I literally had to drive an hour to a butcher uh, last Wednesday because I was I was after. Cheek me. I was after Barbacoa. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it. Oh, nice. So during the, uh, the the shelter in place or whatever, I've gone apeshit. I mean, I've, I've cooked everything you could think of and uh, uh, just whatever, you know, anything I could put my, my hands on that could go on a, on a fire, I'm grilling it. Yeah. And that's going to be the next thing. And I'm going to guarantee you this, in my family, nobody will eat it but me. Yeah. And, and you'll be happy with yeah. it. Yeah. Love it. Love every bit yeah. of it. Yeah. You know, well, it's like I see it whenever I see uh, white people getting clowned on for not liking seasoning and spices. Yeah, it's one of the few times where I'm like, yeah, they are like that. Not me though. Not mm. me. I, I I love the shit out of spicy stuff, and I'll try any any kind of any kind of weird country's cuisine. I am all about giving it a giving it a swing. Well, but you were also but, immersed in that culture there, though too. You were. I mean, yeah. I thought I was Mexican until I was eleven. I mean, I really did. Me, me too. I mean, you just you're raised in it. You you went to your friend's house, and if you st- spent the night, and they made dinner, and and it was something that you you know that you you probably are both your parents white. Oh uh, okay. yeah. So it was probably something you weren't acclimated to, but you but you ate it, and so you grew up in that environment, and uh, you're you're bicultural. Mm-hmm. No, that's I, well. Both my parents are, are are white people, but both of them lived down in the valley for good 20 years before even I was yep. born. So, you know, it's not like they just were, you know, refugees sure. from rural Missouri and wound up down there. No, 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 no. You know, so we were, we were all up in it. Like my dad, my dad speaks, uh, um, what would you say? He's very he fluent yeah. Spanish and works and works on both sides mm-hmm. of the border with like, you know, construction stuff. So, you know, it, we, we grew up eating this, this as much as everything else. Like when, like my, I'll say like, you know, the the standard, let's say, just regular white person, let me make some food, throw together some peanut butter jelly sandwiches, grilled cheese, you know, blah, blah, blah. My go-to is, is all things taco food. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and if I've got rice and beans as, like, a little side that's filler. Right. Yeah, it's kind of cool. And I think that's actually a good sign that, you know, it, that we're way more international than than just the, you know, the, the basic color of our skin, you oh, know? Of course, yeah. And that's the thing, I mean... Of course, you have, we, you're raised in that environment. I mean, I, I went to Quinceañeras uh, on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. stood in one. You know, I, I mean, I, I, hell, I put a guitar in a mariachi band for a little bit. I love. And check you out. That's impressive. <laughs> I love, I just, you know, I, I love it. And, I, and it's, um, and it, I didn't think anything different <laughs> growing up. And 
Then when I moved out of South Texas and you travel around the country and see it's amazing the the way the rest of the country stereotypes that culture. Yeah. They just, no, it's, it's, it helped do. My friends used to have me do the gritas. <laughs> the, ah, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, that's fucking great. Yeah, and, and, no, no, you're absolutely right. It's like they, uh, they over-stereotype the culture. But there's also the when, – when you're close to it, you also see that there's always dirty truths to every little culture too. And uh, there, it, it's hard to find any other culture that's more prejudicial and more racially uh, – not insensitive, but like, okay, here's my, here's my right. point. And when my Latino friends, my, my Hispanics – or Mexicans, we used to call them because they're from Mexico. That seems like I, 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 my daughter got on my ass the other day because I'm like, oh yeah, this Mexican guy. She's like, Dad, you don't say that. I'm like, he's from Mexico. Yeah. It's not an insult. That's a, it's the name of a country, and you know. But anyway, um, they like whatever your identifying factor is. If you're white and fat, that's your nickname. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like we're so worried about being racially sensitive, but. To them, it's just that's how they tell people apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. It's like that's how they're, <laughs> that's how they identify you as a, a black guy, as <laughs> fat white guy. No, the other one. Oh, the, the other one. You know, the one, the one that speaks Spanish. <laughs> what the oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got to. And it's okay. It's a you know. It's okay. It, it's part of just their. It's part of the culture. It's it, it's it, it's so funny. And tell me if I'm crazy here. And this is probably going to get us on a watch list because we're we're two chubby white guys talking about mm-hmm. this. But like, I feel like as as bad as racism is in America and in the world, it's also never been better than it has been. You know what I mean? We're just in a weird, uncomfortable stage where we're growing out of it. But we're at racism was just. It was it was such a part of the world that it wasn't even bad. It was like that's how people knew each other. Well, it, yeah, you know what I mean that was like that was how they identified people. You know, there there was no multiculturalism. There was if you looked like a Spanish person, you were probably from Spain, right? And that's how and you would you know then they would all call you the Spaniard, and that was kind of what you were to the people. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then we started looking at I, I look at it, at, at culture more than I do a skin tone or whatever. I look at Mm -hmm. the habits of that culture. What does that culture do? So I used to spend a lot of my material on stage for years, probably 15 years down culture and how much I adored it. And I would show that this was a black culture. This was a Hispanic culture. This was a white culture. And I said, well, we share them amongst each other, but here's what's really funny about each one of these and, and, and how they were all equivalent. They had all had their own ticks. Never would I ever identify them as a race, just as a culture, you know. And, and you could be a different yeah. culture if you're raised in it. You know, if you take a, you know, a, a, a white kid and you, and you raise him in 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 a, in a large black neighborhood in Detroit, you get Eminem. You know, he was raised in that culture yeah. and he became that culture. You know, and that's and that's what you that's what I look at. And, and, I, and I love culture. I think it's great. I, there's nothing better than it's like Tarzan. Yeah, yeah there you go. If you take a if you take a white prince from Europe and raise him in the jungle, mm-hmm. he will become king of the jungle. I think <laughs> swing off a rope. I think if you if you shared this with Disney, they would probably uh, remove it from their shelves. They probably yeah probably <laughs> they probably wouldn't see it that way. But that's a good point. It's, it's like oh, you're shit. a product of your environment. You're a product of the culture, 
and that's what it is, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, and I think that's a healthy point that you're making, and this is not what I thought we'd be talking about. Diarrhea, shashuka, now or ever uh, use the word racial or ever use the word healthy amongst two large white men, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? But um, uh, it is culture now, because it used to be cultures were race, because if you were from a certain area, your people didn't travel very right. far. So yeah, all your that's why everyone from your culture was a race because you all look the same because you'd all been there and hardly anybody ever traveled. But now since everyone travels and there's multiculturalism, you can't. I mean, you know, if that's why there's things like Twenty Three and Me and Ancestry dot com is because everybody's from everywhere and everybody's all mixed up, and that's technically supposed to be better, yeah. right? At least you know, bi- biological diversity is supposed to help us right. help us evolve so that we can conquer viruses. So yeah. <laughs> so we're all we're all just yeah exactly we're all just sort of exhibiting the last remnants of of the old idea of race as in the next hundred years we'll all become a little bit of everybody yeah, yeah that, right but what we'll, what we'll, we'll, what will be left is culture well, geographical culture and that goes and if yeah. it wasn't for you know if you think about it what, how would how were people educated on culture a hundred years ago they couldn't travel they didn't have the money so they had eleven cents and they'd buy a copy of National Geographic. And that's how they saw, you know, boobs for one and two. That's how they identified <laughs> and, and animals uh, with boobs, and uh, and then that's yeah. that's how they that's how they learned about culture. And then now we're we're able to travel, and the world's gotten so much smaller. And the internet uh, it helps immensely. Yeah. And and now we're you know we're learning about so many different cultures. But uh, this always goes back to me eating carne asada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, man. Full food, food. I think. Food is the natural way into, I think, eliminating that old kind of dumbass yes. racism. You think you hate a culture and all that. Like, well, hold on a second. Try this dish of, of fucking badass uh, enchilada yeah. suizas. Oh, okay. That sounds delicious. Oh, you guys aren't no, so bad. Go, go to a soul food restaurant, my friend. Oh, my God. For real. Like, they should take, you know, the, the fucking idiots in the clan and in, in the deep south and just be like, let's find some common ground here over this badass fried chicken and this corn fri- and cornbread. And uh, everyone kind of come back to earth a little bit here and go, oh shit, this food's delicious. Well, if you guys make this delicious food, you can't. Most and 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 the the irony of it is is that both of those those groups share the same type of foods. They they come from the same Mm -hmm. area. They have the same culture. You know, they just have different skin tones. That's all. Yeah, we gotta we gotta show them. They both like terribly terribly mean foods that are not good for you. (laughs) I I mean, I I love it. All right. All right, enough food talk. Now let me return to the cook. Let me return to the cooking show here that we're yes. doing. I'm, I've reached a critical point where I've already warmed the chili. I've mixed it in with the can of crushed tomatoes, so I've got a nice, I got a nice slurry of chili here. My, Ooh, my slurry's uh, what I wouldn't use, but yeah, my, yeah, it is. It is. I love, I love to do that. <laughs> so anyway, I've got a good shashuka base mm-hmm. here. Okay, right. I got it down on low. It's hot as fuck. So now I'm going to take my eggs now. I don't want. I don't like cracking eggs directly into anything because in case you get a bad egg, now you've ruined the whole fucking True. dish. True. True. So what I'm doing is I've got little kid bowls. It's one good thing about having a lot of kids is we've got like a lot of small kid sure. dishes. So I've got my little kid cereal bowls set aside and going to have one by one put one egg in each because you have to kind of lay the egg in perfectly in the little spine. So I've got four little kid bowls out where I kind of stage my eggs. So far, I've got two down. They look okay. 
And I'm saving my eggshells for garden stuff. That's what's become of me. Do you have a Do you have a vegetable not... garden? What do you have? Oh, I got a little. Uh, I don't really have like it. It's not set up garden style. Like, well, here's my gar- here's my mm-hmm. vegetable area. Here's my. I've got rando plants mm-hmm. and a couple things here and there. It's Pop. not. I haven't come to to full order yet. Right. When you sense. say random plants, you mean pot. Oh, yeah. I wish. I wish. I put, I put a vegetable garden in about uh, two weeks ago during this. Oh, yeah. How's terrific. it going? What do you, what's your what uh, you tomatoes? Uh, two varieties of tomatoes. I've got uh, jalapenos. Nice. I've got some Anaheim peppers. Uh, cilantro. Oh, okay. uh, we've good. got uh, cucumbers and strawberries at this point. Oh, that's oh, very good, good for stuff. you. And uh, that's good stuff. Although I'm, I'm probably my, the best thing I'm at, at growing is no, peppers. Yeah. I love, I love growing peppers. That's kind of one. All right, so now hold on. I got so I got four eggs right. ready to rock. I need two more. Honestly, hold on. Maybe sure. two more. I'm six. I'm reading up on shashuka now as we talk. As we as we're, I found a recipe for it, and uh, boy, this looks like a great. It's basically yeah. a chili, right? Well, I love the idea of cooking yeah. the eggs in it. That's fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's weird. I got an egg with a double oh, yolk. Oh, it was a Siamese twin at one point. It was going to be. Oh, that's fucked up. That's fucked up. I, uh, oh, does that does that mean anything weird? No, I don't think there's any sort of old Mexican uh, ritual thing. It's not on one of those cards. So I think we're good. It's not like a snake popped out. I've, I've seen that. Like if you fucking open an egg and there's a fucking snake in it, you're like, uh-oh, your, your pets yeah, are going to that's die. That's a bad, bad sign all the way around. I don't know why you're getting that. Why you're getting snake eggs? That's a weird HEB. You shouldn't. Yeah, like how did how did the how did the industrial chicken farm get a get a snake egg in it? Yeah, yeah, right. That'd be fucked up. Yeah, hold on. So I've got a delicate. No, and I don't. I don't. I don't want to interrupt. I do enjoy the play by play. No, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, Yeah, see, I figured. I I did this once with uh, one of my other podcasts where. I was live cooking while I was interviewing. Is that hard to? What do you, have, also, you have just a, like a headset and a, and a boom mic, or what are you doing? No, yeah, I'm just. I mean, this is what I like about Anchor. Is I'm I'm just using my fucking phone with okay earbuds. Right. This is just. I mean, I'm really, really. It, it's there's no difference in what I'm doing than just having a phone phone mm-hmm. call with you right now. That's kind of what I like about. It. I like the the deconstructedness of it. Like I'm not trying to be sitting in a badass studio cranking out. You know, radio quality podcast. I'm, I'm having a conversation. Sure. In this make crazy fucked yeah, up world we're living in. and uh, cracking some yeah. eggs. Talking about diarrhea. Goes hand in hand, brother. Goes hand in hand. Yeah, man. But you know, I like it. I like it. I think this is, this is an interesting way to do it. Okay. Well, they say, they say right. the shishuka so originated in North Africa. It's a it's considered that a Mediterranean sense. dish. Uh, let's see. The recipe's through Israel. Well, thank God we didn't call Varghese about it. He'd have been like, well, what the fuck? Yeah, especially racist? since it, uh, let's see, uh, though in Israel it is breakfast food. Uh, I'm learning more about this. I'm fascinated about it. I'm probably going to make it this afternoon. Let's see if there's a different version of this. Uh, well, they have, a, if you have a Trader Joe's and you want an easy version, they have like a little frozen sh- shashuga yes, starter. Yes, they do. Which is like the, the, the yeah. chili. I would probably make my own. And, uh, yeah, 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 but that's a good. We, it's a good version. We've gotten that before, just for convenience. But also, like leftover stew or or a chili in this case, like I do. Yeah, it's a great way to use it. Well, you know, I I you know? I enjoy the uh, chicken shawarma from 
Trader Joe's. It comes in pre-packaged and already seasoned, and it's uh, I put it on a on a, a trumpo king, which is a, a pike, and uh, you lay it on the pike, and then you put it on the grill, and, and you let it cook for a good hour and a half, and then you you slowly slice it off around as the outside cooks before the inside cooks, and the, right. for a packaged meat, it's pretty good, you know, it really it really is yeah. good. I'm sure it's better. Uh, well, I know it's better fresh, but they they did a good job. So I, I would trust them if they put together the uh, the chili mix. I'd give it a shot. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. Uh, hey, yeah. hey Daryl, this is the we're at the the thirty one minute mark of this uh, illustrious yeah. podcast. So let's take a little break for the listeners okay. here, and we'll come back in just a second uh, with more amazing food and racism talk <laughs> with. With Daryl Felsberg. And we're back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Back to the After Later podcast. I'm your host, John Wesley. Today, I'm talking in a laid-back Friday fashion with my good friend, Daryl Felsberg, the comedy king of Paris, Texas. <laughs> There's only one um, person in comedy, so I guess that would make me the king. You know, that's a, yeah. you know, that's a thing. If, I know a lot of comics are probably listening. And uh, I don't know. You, you don't think so? You don't think that you don't think you share you don't think you share an audience with a lot of comics. I think well, I think there's audience listening, yeah. but I think comics are uh, every every comic is making shit and not listening to other people's shit. Well, so that's probably a fair statement. <laughs> yeah. For for the most part, you know what I mean. Yeah, it took it yeah, it took me are... two weeks to to res, to to raise that idea and go. You know what? I need to do something semi creative outside of whatever else I'm doing. And I need to make an online show or a podcast or something, and, and I did both. Yeah. Um, and and just to give me that outlet, you know. But I live in a, a market. I moved here years ago to be closer to family, where I don't have an open mic, and so I have to travel uh, if I wanted to do an open mic. And fortunately, I work enough that I don't end up doing that a lot. I do it when I'm on the road. Um, but when I'm not on right. the road and I want to be with family. That's where we started booking that little room at was to become a place for me to work out at. Yeah, that's that's my open mic. I do seven minutes up front and I get out of the way, and and the show. That's pretty clever. Oh yeah, and that was always a, a great room. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, I always loved the Lamau. Yeah, you know, and you know, the only reason why I ever took that name was we needed something when it was above the restaurant initially. I just needed something to call it, and it was the only the the acronym was extremely popular. In 2007, and I thought, you know what, just that's fine for now. And then, unfortunately, the thing grew into its own facility and its own thing, and uh, they became big. And then I thought, uh, after several years, I've always hated that name. Always hated that name. And so, when we started the festival two years ago, we we rebranded everything, and uh, then it became a bit more community friendly, and took on the name of Tower City Comedy because of the Eiffel Tower. And it's just, it's just, you know, yeah. stayed that way. But I've, it's a, it's a weird room. You know, it's a, it's a neat little, you know, uh, little black box that uh, serves the purpose. But it's one of those that until you're there, you, you just don't quite get how neat it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've enjoyed it. I think I've, I've played with your room two or three oh, times. And yeah, at least, I mean, that's just sometimes I think I've come right. to headline headlining. And it's always been a great crowd, man. It's that perfect small 
a medium-sized Texas town yeah. crowd, right? You know what I mean? Like, it'd be a small radio market, but it's like, uh, I mean, how many people live in Paris? Is that, a, what, a thirty to 50,000? 25. 25,000 on the dot. 25, okay. I, 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 I eyeballed yeah, that. Yeah, you went too far group. off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew around about what range it was. Yeah. I gave us some more credit. You know, I work, I work for the census. Oh, I can figure that shit out. But, um, yeah, so you get that good kind of crowd where you get, like, a, a good mix of regulars, people who come out and support mm-hmm. it all the time. So you wind up with that educated crowd who they've seen everybody that you bring yeah, through. Yeah, they're, they're loyal, and, and they we had to train the crowd to understand this is how you act at a show, and this is what to expect, and, you know, this is comedy. And, and fortunately for me, tr- you know, working 40, 45 weeks out of the year in different markets, I could see the challenges the those rooms are up against, and we can kind of head that off in this little room. It's just controllable. It's so intimate. It's right there. We can see it up to 130 if we absolutely have to. Um, and it's perfect with about 70. It's just about right. Yeah. It fills the room. It feels good. And the crowds are super appreciative. Um, they always love you know, comics when they come to town. I mean, they've been really open and welcoming. We're very lucky to be here. That is cool, man. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, dude. You know, I've talked to – I had Bill on a – on a on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, right before we went up to uh, the Grove oh, yeah. to do that okay. show, Go being Tom yeah. Drake, right? So he was talking a lot about um, you know the challenges, man, of the of the small business owner and and staying afloat in this business, man. So I mean, not to dig into your business, man, but how are you doing? Are you uh, how how's your your prospects looking of surviving this shit? You know, how are you trying to stay afloat and stay? Well, active? it's it's weird because the our the venue has never been a, uh, a profit center. It's always been what I jokingly call a sister kisser. It's, it makes, it, it just doesn't count. <laughs> it, it, it pays for itself. It's like having a, a pet turtle in the backyard. It just pays for yeah. itself. You water it once in a while. You have a show here and a show there, and it just kind of sustains itself. I don't do anything with it. Um, when we first got word, I was traveling with even Michael Casada. He and I were doing a show in Oklahoma. Oh, great! Love guy. Oh, I man. love Gomi. Great so guy. All of a sudden, um, we're sitting at lunch, and my son's with us. In fact, and I look at my uh, my phone. I get an email. And he goes, and I just kind of sighed. And he goes, "What is it?" Because I just lost a gig. And he goes, "You know what, dude?" He goes, "I just have three of them as well." By the time we got to our hotel and we checked in, he texts me. He goes, "Where are you at?" I'm like, "I've lost thirty thousand." Just in, in gigs that I booked yeah. for the, personally for the next like six weeks, I was we were just scrambling. So um, you know, my wife uh, has a small retail store, a little business that it's kind of suffered, but just no comedy, no work. You know, I had to email deposits back, and yeah. and then on the side, I book a little bit to kind of help compensate and and uh, make some extra money. And you know, we had all those cancel. It's just been. It's been tough, but you know what? It's also been pretty enlightening, though, too, because I think by forcing me to stay at home and by forcing me to kind of do some other things, it's uh, it's opened up some some other opportunities. The the I, I'm excited about yeah. some new material that I put together. I'm excited about uh, some new show ideas. I'm excited about uh, getting into some new markets. Maybe um, a lot of little things that just kind of popped up and become become exciting. So. I think that I can fare through it. You know, I, I, I wonder, I, I think, I'm glad to hear that. You know, I think that 
because of your experience as a businessman, you know, as an actual business person, not just a comic business, but you know, you've always had a good business mind when it comes to running your own comedy career, but just the fact that you, you kind of take it on the chin, you take the hit, but then the businessman and he goes to, okay, now adapt and find new opportunity. Yeah. You know what I mean? How can I, how can I take this re-scrambling, get over the shittiness of it, Stop thinking about the thirty thousand that I lost because that's gone, and how can I turn that into fifty thousand new that right. I can find? Yeah. Right. Well, and I think what that's gonna and, and here's you know again I don't know what comics are listening, but if you're in the comedy business, whether it be performing or booking, and honestly, if you're in comedy, you should be in both of those, in my opinion. I think every comic should book a room at some point in time because you get a whole new perspective of uh, dealing with people, dealing with uh, comics, dealing with you know, industry and what have you, you need to really do both to get on each side of that fence. It'll help you get into other venues. But I think what's, what, what you're going to see is very similar to 9-11. When 9-11 happened, two weeks later, you couldn't walk into a store without somebody, you know, shaking your hand or hugging you. The American flags are everywhere. The country was unified. And I think when this is over, you're going to see a very similar unity. And I think that people are going to be excited. They're going to be wanting to go out. I think you're going to see some comedy venues shut down. And then you're going to see a lot of unorthodox venues rise from the ashes. You're going to see new places okay. that you and I can step on a stage and go do a show and go, I never would have thought of doing a show here. Because they're looking for reasons to bring people in. And people are going to be looking for reasons to laugh. And we're in. We're in. Yeah. No. We're in. You know? So this is a good point. This is a good time, or good point in time, I should say, to to kind of steal your nerves, yeah. right? To sort of survive the the temporary downturn. Hey, man, keep your. And then when it comes out, I, mean, I, I think I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. It's going to be tough as the you know how long this barrage goes sure. on. How many? How long can people kind of stay alive, hunkered in the mm-hmm. bunker? I think I think unfortunately our comedy workforce is probably going to lose a good 25 to 30% of people who are doing comedy yeah. are going to just, just going to tap out, can't survive it, move on, do something else. Oh, that's ready. By the way, it's uh, just sort of chilling. I finished my Shashuka. Oh, um, but, but I, I think, I mean, what I'm afraid of is that it'll be the wrong ones who quit and the wrong yes. ones who, who right. persevere. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if, it, if, um, you know, standard Darwinism, if the, if it applies. Oh, no, you're right, dude. <laughs> is comedy going to get better? Or is it going to get worse after this is over? Well, because uh, trust me, there's a lot of bad, stubborn comics. There are, here. and there's a lot of, there's a lot of bad, stubborn bookers that'll book them too. And yeah, but, exactly. But here's the thing is that a bad booker, um, and it won't stay in business very long. A bad comic will. Okay. So the, yeah. the, the, a bad booker who books that bad comic, they run out of money before that shitty comic runs out of jokes. <laughs> so it goes away. That's why some people get frustrated. Like, why do some rooms – I don't get mad. I used to really you – know, I had my battle with, with bookers for years, and I couldn't figure out why are they booking this comic from this place and this room. Why does this guy keep getting work? He's barely funny. He's hack. He does this. He does that and, and blah, blah, blah. And then I finally realized that when I would see that person perform, the room was full. And they were able to pay for the venue, the staff, so that I could go and do what I thought was a far superior show that doesn't attract enough Mm -hmm. people yet. 
you know, and, and we have to kind of understand yeah. why they book those things. But I think you're going to see, like you said, some of that those comics are taking on other jobs, other opportunities, and their their other jobs won't allow them to perform. And so maybe we do take twenty to thirty percent off the off the bottom of it, and then the rest of us have to fight for what venues are left. But I think that's what I was what. I, some of these more unorthodox venues are going to rise above it. I think you're going to have all of us breweries and wineries. They're, you know, I've already got like six or seven that are just waiting um, to book me for a show that they're, they're really waiting for this to be over. As soon as it's over, we're on board. We're going. And it's just, right. uh, I think you're going to, you're going to see a lot of good stuff. The problem is, is getting between here and point B. Can, can we survive it? Can your family survive it? You know, um, we're, we're as far as like we're concerned over here, we stocked up on food, stayed in place. You know, we we uh, juggled our bills around. I don't qualify for unemployment. We don't qualify for yeah. some of the stimulus stuff and the PPP things. So we just have to get super creative. I found that comics who are really creative and if you're you'll learn to develop different spokes on the wheel of income. Uh, go back. Yep. You know, one of them is performing. We all know that. The other's merchandise, okay? And you can sell CDs and downloads from home. Uh, we did that the first week, and we got a nice little push, and that gave us money to pay the electric bill or whatever. Then you can look That's at good. content. You can create online content and get tips through Venmo or through PayPal. There's no shame in, in saying, hey, here's the, here's a virtual tip jar. Throw us a bone or two. And uh, now you got a couple hundred dollars there or whatever. Then there's your actual creative output, writing. And there's even though you're not working, there's other companies that are killing it. And you can write social content for other companies. You can write uh, a handful of billboards. Um, a bit that they pay rather well for that are that are funny and, and that they love. Uh, I've got a shit that just they saw those and asked me to do the same. Comedy is not just sitting on stage and telling jokes. And in times like this, if you can't diversify and you can't transform yourself, then you don't survive it. And I'm watching a lot of my friends go through that. And I, and I, hate, and I hope they do. I hope, they can, I hope we can help them all we can so that when this is over, they can get back to work. But this should be a wake-up call for a lot of comics to go, okay, all right. My job is not just – doesn't have to be 52 weeks a year. I have to be in Des Moines, Iowa or whatever. There's other avenues for me. Does that make any sense at all? No, that's it. Makes it. You kidding me? It's the, it's the, the that is the right answer. That is what we're all supposed to do. How many will actually be able to do it, or will have the follow through on it? I mean, you know, follow through isn't exactly one of the strong suits of the stand up comic in America. No, you know, no. So, but this will. That's that's one place where this is the great scrape. Where this will, if you can't keep up, you can't diversify. If you can't, you know, do you know learn some new tricks well then maybe you should tap out maybe you maybe you do have to get left behind a little bit maybe it's, find something maybe new it's not or... the core you know and at first when i when i was watching everybody the the podcasts were all over the place and, and, and the videos and, and look at me i'm doing this and and, oh, yeah. and the zoom meetings and shit uh, just left and right mm-hmm. at first i was like ah everybody stop it and then i was like no so that one was like everybody keeps doing it <laughs> well, excuse me yeah I was like, everybody keep doing. It's just a sneeze. It's not corona. It's just diarrhea. I don't have the corona. It's not one of okay. the symptoms. Fine. No, if you if you try to sneeze and uh, fart at the same I mean, time, it's, it's harder to try to not sneeze and fart at the same time. 
<laughs> I, dragged, I accidentally did something similar to that, and I thought oh, I collapsed. I thought I, I thought I, I thought I shot a uh, part of my oh, organ wow. out, and um, no, no, just uh, just just open up a little further. That's just the birth of a hemorrhoid, is what that is. Uh, That's how they enter the world. Oh, you gosh. stop us, you yeah, yeah you stop a sneeze, and all of a sudden, whoop, the grapes of wrath pop out of your ass. <laughs> I like I like the definition of a great. Just uh, what, what, yeah, what did you room, think that, that meant? <laughs> the grapes of wrath. Clearly, I can't think of a better description for a hemorrhoid. So it must be what it really meant. No, that's that's... Steinbeck was thinking all along. <laughs> <laughs> but you were saying about uh, the you know the and I've I've called it the the it's like the Oklahoma land rush, you know. As soon yeah. as everything shut yeah. down and comics all lost their gigs, everybody just went live, start something, ah, right? And so it's like, yeah, but it's like, mistake. it's the first wave. It's the first, uh, it's the first crashing on the beach in Normandy. I feel like I'm just going to, I'm going to yeah. be on the second wave and see which ones make it, which ones don't, and learn some lessons from, from, <laughs> you know, does that make sense? Like, I don't, I've no, always, yeah. I, I think one of the biggest mistakes i made in my career was i was always too much of an early adapter like i went first i was happy to go first i was on the first of this Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and then and then the people that came after were the ones that got the success from it and i got no credit for being first so i'm like you know what i'm gonna let other people uh go first like um buddy mine uh josh harris he was a bit of a uh online uh luminary years ago and he's just Mm -hmm. he's a really really smart guy but he he said he said, uh, "Pioneers get all the arrows; settlers get all the farms." Nah, what a what a great statement. And I think about that all the time. Yeah. Like, you go first. I mean, sure, you might be brave and a and a you know a, a trendsetter, but you're going to be the one that takes all the shit for it first. I was just afraid there wasn't going to be enough room, so I came up with the idea of doing a, a live show. Front, I didn't want to do stand up. I didn't want to. I didn't want to try to do. That just doesn't, it's not working without any sort of an audience. I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, I, I'm going to do a variety show. Just a little bit of this, a little bit of that for fun so that my fan base, whatever little it might be, or people who have any interest in what I do, will have some way to connect. I said, I'm going to do that every Friday night. And I wanted that time slot at 9 o'clock. And so that, and I knew if I started saying, I'm going to do it at Friday at night, other comics would go, all right, we're not, we're going to look at a different time. We're going to do something mm-hmm. different. And I was excited about doing it. I did it every week for the first month. And then I was like, oh, okay, you know what? We're going to do every two weeks. And uh, and that's where we're at now. It was just too much. I mean, I was shooting stuff off, you know, on location, different things and putting bits together. And it was fun. But it's a one-man band with an iPhone and a kid. And, yeah. uh, you know, it was a little much. So, but well, I, uh, you know, but what you did is, that you, you know, you, you kept yourself creatively busy mm-hmm. a little bit a little bit distracted and diverted when you needed that right you yeah. know what i'm saying and otherwise what are we all gonna do sit around in our house and fucking freak out and stare at each other so it was good for that right and now you've kind of settled in you found your sweet spot of how often you can put it out how much effort you need to put into it that's smart man that's that's just smart plus yeah. you got to take care of your you got to take care of your own life like I think that's also important. What I kind of learned because I've been cranking these out almost every day, like oh, every wow. weekday. Because it's because it's just this. It's, yeah. it's you know I'm not I'm not spending hours editing it. We I press record, and then I put it up pretty much unedited. You know what I'm saying? It's like this is just a conversation. There's no sense in I'm not going to chop out all the uhs in the quiet spot and uh, you know that, that's not no, real, yeah. right? But but you know there's been a couple of days where I just woke up 
and I was in a bad mood or I was just sort of low energy and had other stuff to do with the family. And I just sort of, at first I felt the stress of, Oh, I got to do this. Like, Oh, I got to put it out. And I just sort of let that go. Like, fuck it today. I'm taking off today. The most important thing is for me to just chill the fuck out, make lunches for my family, work in the garden, get some fresh air. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I had to, and then the next day come back kicking ass, you know, Feeling, oh yeah, you, you've got to reset the gear once in a while. I mean, you have to. If, yeah, dude. We're, I mean, and think about it. You, you and your, and your wife, or, or you know, your co-partnering your family and what have you. But, but the reality of it is, is that you know, the the leader of the pack. And I always use the analogy of how do I, how how can I be there for them if I'm not in the right state of mind? Who's there to console me? You know, yeah. and if they need me for that, I've got I've got to find some way to to change it. And the best thing for me is, uh, you know, to to get away from it. What do you What do you like to do? And then go do what you like, not what you have to do. Recharge uh, that battery. No, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I mean, you know, if you're listening, you might think this is some patriarchy bullshit, but it's a bit of a it's a responsibility. It's a burden to. Like I, way I look at it, okay, like if if the wife and kids if they're in a bad mood or down, then I work real hard to try right. to cheer them yep. up, and you know it takes a while to kind of build up the morale in the family. But I've also so it takes a lot to build it up. But if I'm if I'm a pissy bitch, everyone else suffers right. immediately, right? You know what I mean? So it's like okay, uh, so that's a that's something you got to look at and you got to think of and you got to consider. It's not about a bunch no. of power trip. It's about it's about a right. responsibility trip, you know, being an influencer and being a leader within that group. And you've got, you know, there's six total there. Uh, you've, you've got a, a small brigade that, that you have to yeah. maintain. Could you imagine that if, you know, if you're negative and your attitude shit and then everybody else in the house, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a recipe for disaster. You talk about a, a, a fracture and a, a infaction. Now you've got, you know, people fighting against one another. I mean, it's tough here. My son's 18. He's a full grown man now. And, uh, you know, it's his senior year. He's missing out. We were supposed to go to prom last Saturday. Oh, oh. dude. I wanted to ask you about that, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to pick the scab, yeah. you know, but how, how I, I felt that my heart goes out to your boy, man. And, and all senior high school seniors that are, that have this happen. How, how, Talk a little bit about that. Tell me about the, the, the stress of the senior 20. You know, it's hard because the well, here's a great scenario. We, we like, we're different. I mean, we, we're not cut from the same cloth, my family. We do things totally different than anybody else in our community. And so we had uh, plans for his senior pictures. We were going to do this. We were going to do that. And so uh, we decided we were going to take his senior pictures at the time that he was going to go to prom. And... So we did not order his senior pictures from the school. We were going to do our own. And now we're in this situation with the virus and we can't get a haircut. We're not going to prom. And so we can't even take the photographs. So we have to now uh, rely on placing that order and hoping that we get them in time. And it's just, it's, it becomes emotionally draining, not just for the kid, but for mom and dad, yeah. because we spent 18 years to get them to this point. And we don't get to see him walk across the stage yet that we know of. We're not sure. And he just missed it. Yeah, right. Or it'll be in July yeah. or August. You know, uh, prom, it was senior prom. A beautiful girl. He was taking a prom. Just just adorable. And you were excited for them. And uh, now it doesn't happen. So now you got to keep his attitude square. 
the whole time you can, I mean, there's a sense of pride when, and you'll see that as your children grow and they do those things. And, you know, you take those pictures, you know, that, I mean, you know, he was, uh, and track was his, uh, the last sport he was in that they just started training. And then now they don't get to perform. And that was going to be his last hurrah was throwing shot put. Yeah. It's all, well, it's tough, over, man. you know, well, how's he handling it? Is he keeping, I mean, I imagine it goes in waves, but you know, you know, I think about, how well, do you, how does he process it? He and his friends, there's a core group of about five boys that play football together and, and they run different sports together. And they've been friends for 15 years, 12 years. And uh, he, that's what I told him. I said, You're, you won't be defined by your athletics and what you did in school. You will be defined by your loyalty to your friends because that's just how he is. That's what's hurting him the most, I think, is just you can't be with your friends. Yeah. So the other night, they, uh, they'd all talked and they said, uh, basically, they just said, fuck it. We need to get together. And they asked us for permission. I said, you know what? You five boys go get together, be safe, be smart. Don't, you know, don't sit close to each other and make out or whatever, you know, just, just go and, and, and see each other and, and laugh about things. You need to. And, uh, that was, that was good for him, you know, for all of them. So it's, it, it is tough, you know, and now, and now you're supposed to go to college, but you don't know if the schools are going to be open, you know, um, right. We don't know what we're going to do, but there's all kinds of other, there, there's other shit that's fucked up, like. Then they cancel ACT, SATs. It's fucking up people's transcripts because, you I mean, what are you going to do for that whole, yeah. you know, second part of the, the year? Yeah. I imagine there's just all kinds of stuff that's going to be fucked up and try to deal with. Yeah, and fortunately, he already took his SAT, and he's already got his acceptance letters, and we're, we're now we're scrambling for funding and to figure out which direction we're going to go. Yeah, I mean, these uh, we don't know what these people are. That's why I get kind of upset when, when people online will say, well, you know, at least, at least they're not going off to war. You know, fuck them. You know, <laughs> you're, you're right. I get it. World War II World War I was a bitch. But you know what? You know, they didn't. All right. I'm kind of losing your signal there, little Daryl. You close to your Wi-Fi? Yeah. Yeah, I'm close. All right. You were. Di- you, 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 I think the angrier you oh. got, it's like I think you created some sort of. Uh, yeah, you you created some sort of five G dissonance there, buddy. Oh, you know what? Let's bring it down a tone. Then you got pissed off, and all of a sudden it was like, oh. and you fucked up the. Digital. That's that's that yeah. That's the that's the kind of power I wield. Uh, I was gonna say, yeah, man. You okay. okay? Don't fucking. It's like that NBC show Heroes. You just get mad, and all of a sudden you're fucking sending off radio signals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm good. We're we're. I, that's the best thing, you know, is just take it all in, in, in stride. There's nothing you can do, you know? Yeah, that's, how, that's that, I, I've said this on the show uh, several times, but for me, it was so overwhelmingly huge right off yeah. the bat. Like, I lost thousands of dollars of work just like it, but it all happened so much so fast and to everybody that I couldn't even... I couldn't even wallow in the misery of it. I almost just sort of had that laugh of, <laughs> oh, this yeah, and then just sort of accepted it and yeah. kind of moved on, yeah. right? But I think that's kind of it. Because being pissed off. No, but the good thing is, is since since world has stopped, whole world stopped. It goes on pause. Advantage of the time, you know. Go, yeah, man. Kids, go out the yard with them. Show them things. Take, take, you know, cook like you're doing. Eat together. We've become closer as a family. We, we, we kind of get a little tender. There, you know, the boy got into it once or twice. 
one time I told him to pack his shit leave. And then Kane you know, said, okay. Not more. And I, All right, I'm losing your signal again. I guess it also, you also affect the Wi Fi whenever you get sent a message. God damn it. I can't do anything with that effect on the Wi Fi. It seems like I. I know. I know. I think you know what it is. I think everybody's awake now and they're all on their phones and shit in our house. Dude, and my house yeah. too, probably. And I think they're, they're squeezing it down, is what they're doing. So they're, yeah. they're narrowing the pipe. But. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Daryl, let's, uh, let, let's wrap this up with what I like to ask people at the okay. end of these interviews. It's my, it's my own stupid James right. Lipton move. But here we are in a um, pre to post apocalyptic yep. scenario in the world. What would you do for a living if there was no longer any such thing as the entertainment business whatsoever? Like all of a sudden, so any kind of performing is no longer an option and you've got to, you know, you got to provide for the family. What's uh, what skill do you have or what job mm. would you pursue? God, it's all in entertainment. That's the problem. You know, I, uh, I was about to yeah, say exactly. I would host a cooking show, but that's entertainment. Um, I guess I would probably just just grill for people. I love, I love I've got a, a big trailer smoker that I, uh, I cook on and I've got a, uh, a big green egg that I'm always cooking on. I guess I would just cook for people. I don't know. Well, that's a that's a solid business. That's part of my that's part of my backup plan. Is I would I would just fucking get a food truck and taco truck it and and feed people for a living. That's a that's a boom industry, brother. That's a that people or, are always going to eat. Or I would um, I would test boats. That's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that, I how think do you mean the test manufacturers or the uh, uh, they need somebody to test out boats. Uh, that would be an option or, or I would probably become a boat mechanic. I love boats. I love, I love the smell of fiberglass and vinyl. I do. (laughs) Okay. You like the smell of the marina? That's a unique smell. Not having shoes on. Uh, shirts optional. You lose signal whenever you get excited about boats too. All right. Well, hey, Daryl, can you hear me? That's it. Okay. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're coming yes. in lo- loose with me, but that's what happens in this post-apocalyptic world. Bandwidth is that's getting right. squeezed. Yep, it is. All right, so the last question is, I take it to the next level. All right, so that's, I asked you what you do for a living if, if just regular, if our personal economy crashed and there's no longer entertainment. Okay. But let's say we go full-blown Walking Dead. Um, we are now entered the age of the warlord. All, all society mm-hmm. has collapsed. What would mm-hmm. you be able to do, like if you showed up at the front gates of the war, of the warlord compound? What job could you offer the collective that would uh, keep you alive and keep you in the good graces of the warlord? Oh, probably uh, battle strategic uh, emperor, if that's a thing. I, yeah. I would I would help organize troops uh, and uh, come up with battle schemes uh, to defeat the uh, the enemy. That's what I would okay. do. Well, hold on now. What's your what's your bonus? Let's say I'm the warlord and I'm interviewing you for this uh, uh-huh. position where you want to be you want to be a general in this Negan's army. Mm-hmm. What's your what's your bona fides, my friend? What are you really good at playing Call of Duty? Do you have military training or? I, I you, you... I'm like a eunuch but with a working penis. I am very smart. 
uh, I know what the other opponent's going to do. Uh, I'm I'm really good with an AR-15. Uh, okay. I uh, I can't. I don't. I, I'm not good with an AR-15, but I do carry. I'm a Texan. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have a card. I uh, I can shoot things, uh, but more importantly, I can distract people so that you can shoot them. Hmm. Good. Hmm. Huh? Yeah. I recommend using that meat smoking trailer. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. You could also you could set that up, kicking out them delicious smells that draws the hungry enemy, and then just pop them off, and then and then you're just picking them off oh, one by man. one. That's a that's a good idea. And I'm guessing. With your uh, large meat cooking skills, if it got bad enough, you could, you know, field dress and prepare that enemy as food for on site. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah, right? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Well, good. Uh, you know, I asked this because I'm sort of compiling all the people I interview, finding out the jobs. <laughs> that way, if shit hit the fan, we could all round up and kind of create our Please own little warlord. Keep me in mind. Uh, uh, it, it just yeah, I'd like to be on oh, the roster. Absolutely. I mean, are you kidding me? Well, your your location is one of the places we're looking at, so you might have to play the part of the warlord. I've been joking about that frequently with people that uh, when we in the community when we talk about the virus, I, I remind them that when I do become an overlord, I'll spare their skin, and I, it doesn't it doesn't That's it good. doesn't get a lot of laughs <laughs> at the Kroger. They don't get it. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, shit. That's funny. Thank you again to Daryl Felsberg for joining me today on the After Later podcast. Um, for the record, the shakshuka was very, very good. Uh, the only thing I did wrong uh, was after, after basically once it gets a little cloudy white, you put the lid on it, you take it off the heat. Uh, I let it kind of sit hot a little too long, so the the yolks got all the way hard. That's not good. You don't want, you want to have a little bit of a little bit of runny yolk in your shakshuka. Uh, but uh, other than that, it was absolutely delicious. Matter of fact, I got uh, one more egg of that that I'm about to <clears throat> about to eat when I get done with this. But uh, yeah, but it turned out very good. This is the kind of shit we do here on the uh, the After Later podcast makes no sense. There's no consistency, but uh, but yet it's on brand, you know. <laughs> well, I got uh, want to thank um, all the guests that I had on this past week, and I've got even more lined up for the next weeks to come that are going to be very, very interesting. Like I said, looking for interesting and unique people with interesting and unique perspectives on life. I want to hear cool stuff. I want to hear how you're handling all this craziness going on with the plague, how you're handling lockdown, just how you're handling life in general. Where do you go from here? Uh, if you'd like to be a guest on the uh, After Later podcast, or you know someone who would be a good guest, hit me up on Twitter at John Wessling, J-O-H-N, W-E-S-S-L-I-N-G, or the show's Twitter, After Later, A-F-T-E-R-L, number eight, letter E-R. The show's Facebook page is After Later Podcast, and my personal comedy fan page on Facebook is John Wessling Official. Thanks again to Scott Henry, my $5 sponsor, $5 a month. Woot, woot. Thank you very much, Scott Henry. Appreciate anyone who wants to support the podcast. Throw me a couple of bucks per month, and I will be more than happy to mention your name, read whatever liner you want. Uh, you know, I, I dance for your money, baby. That's what I do. You can find the link to that to the main page of the show on anchor.fm slash after later. Uh, thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the podcast uh, on all the different uh, uh, platforms. Uh, mostly uh, Spotify, Apple, uh, Radio Public, 
uh, Breaker, a whole bunch of them. Uh, thank you very much. And if you are listening to the podcast and you're enjoying it, uh, do me a favor and share it with others, okay? Spread the word. Uh, appreciate all of it. Even if I only got a handful of listeners, if this is a small batch artisanal podcast, that's fine with me. Uh, I'm enjoying myself, and I hope that you are enjoying it as well. And appreciate all the feedback that I have been getting. If you'd like to see uh, more of my stand-up comedy, you can buy my comedy album. It's called Warm at First. It's now available on 800-pound Gorilla Records. Uh, you can buy it, or you can stream it. Available just on every about every streaming service known to man. Got a big project coming up with yesterday's guest, Keisha Hunt. We're teammates on the Coast to Coast Roast. There'll be more information about that coming out as it becomes public, but that should be a lot of fun. City versus city uh, from all over the country. Uh, two comics from each uh, city uh, blasting each other's uh, hometown. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, um, it's been a great week. I might have a little weekend special edition come out in the next day or so with the very funny Mr. Steve Fly. That should be a fun one. Um, but yeah, next week, got a lot of great guests lined up. I'll tell you all about it when we come back on Monday. Have a great weekend. Have a great time. Practice some self-care. Chill the fuck out. Have an edible or two. And just have a great day. All right? This is the After Later Podcast. I'm John Wessling. Bye.